and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. Unfortunately, once again, we're without our glorious leader, Hamish. So I'm stepping up to the plate, running the show once again, unfortunately, for everyone listening. But joining me to make it a little bit more lively are my good mates, Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Hey, mate. And Ham. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are the ones that grease the wheel and make this engine roar. So uh, let's get into it, boys, because we've got an action-packed episode. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got player attentions. We've got injuries. We've got trials. We've got round one games for senior grade. So we've got a whole lot and uh, not that much time to talk about because we're all busy men, obviously. But let's uh, get into the positive news to start off with. Uh, Eels announcing, uh, I believe it was at the end of last week. Am I right about that? Um, uh, just after we released a podcast, I think that four players have re-upped with the club, uh, starting off with Wiramu Greg, who has re-signed for another year to the end of 2023. And that one was kicked around just before the All-Stars game, actually. He sort of alluded to in the media that he and his manager were close to ironing out a new deal. But then uh, a trio of new faces or prospects that were with us last year, uh, Makahesi Makatoa, he was a feel-good story of 2021, obviously, with Kai Rodwell and Ofahiki Ogden all getting upgraded or extended to the end of 2024. Uh, Rodwell, obviously, Ham and I saw a lot of him in the New South Wales Cup, had that debut game at the end of the season against the Penrith Panthers, where he actually did really well despite playing the entire game or close to with a broken hand. And then Ofahiki Ogden joined the club this preseason on a train and trial deal and has impressed the point that he's been upgraded to a full-time contract. So good news there, boys. Anything or anyone that jumps out among those four you want to talk about quickly? Uh, just on Roddy. Um, yeah, good on him. Maybe. Like. I think he's one of those players that can – he's only young, 23, I think. Um, so, obviously, you know, over the next four years, we've got Junior and Reg. Um, they're going to be a headline attraction in the forward pack. But you want guys that can come on the bench there. I actually think that uh, Roddy can come on, do that job, bring that impact. Um, and it's good to see him signed up for two years. He, he hasn't got the utility of Ray Stone, but he sort of could bring the same impact uh, – perhaps even a little bit more of the ball in hand, but maybe a little bit less defensively because Raystone is a bit of a savant when it comes to defensive hit arm timing. But yeah, Rodwell didn't have a preseason of his last year, Ham. He actually joined us after round one, but he yeah. ended up forcing his way into the team. And like I said before, we saw a lot of him in the cup and he was really impressive. And he sort of translated that to the NRL against a full strength eventual premiers lineup in round 25. Bertie, any one of those uh, you want to give a shout out to? Big Macca, good uh, to see him uh, re-upping for another couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a big congratulations for Maka. You know, it just shows you don't have to be a young gun, you know, debuting at nineteen, you know, and getting a you know a lifeline, you know, contract. So for him to debut at his age and get you know an extension, you know, well deserved. It's interesting to see like Rodwell, like you'd think him and Winnie might tie it down a bit longer because like you compare Rodwell's to Ogden's deal. Like Ogden's just been he's only just been at the club for about one month. You know, he started off as a train and trial. And now he's got like a two-year extension or whatever it is. So it's um, I'm happy for it. All, all the, the way I look at it, they're all like depth signings in terms of in terms of filling out your roster. Because if we're expecting them to be our starters, and you know we're a bit of trouble. But I don't, I don't, you know, if they go on and get a bigger deal elsewhere, I'm happy with that. But and just yeah, depth signings, like, they're like part of that length or tenure ties into the fact that the two starting props at the club are obviously powerhouses. They're wrapped up for a long time, and that sort of gate keeps your uh, your ceiling as a prop in the NRL to some degree, which is why I can see someone like Wiramu Greg going for just another year. It's why we saw Oregon Kafusi leaving the club at the end of season to join the, the Cronulla Sharks. But yeah, so like you said, Bertie, you, you're sort of shoring up your depth there, and we're going to hopefully see some real big progress from Greg and Nordwell and Ogden throughout the course of this year. Well, how... how- Hollis is the future, right? So, like, how long is he tied down for? 
I want to say David's end of the year. Yeah, it's either end of this year or end of 2023. I'm not sure about that. Um, and yeah, obviously Dave was one of those young players heavily impacted by the uh, COVID adjusted seasons in the last couple of years. So we're going to hopefully see him push on and, and make some big steps forwards this year with a full season of the cup, knock on wood, after what we've seen in the last two years. But yeah, well, that's... you got to tie him down. You know, we're losing, you know, um, Kafusi next year. So he's pr- practically prop three or, you know, prop four. So, you know, try and tie him down a bit longer and I'll be happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. NRL.com has Hollis down for the end of 23. There you go. Oh, so end of 23. Perfect. So, well, obviously, if you see something out of him this year, you want to race to get him locked up. But... Uh, the fact we do have him under wraps for another year is good. But, yeah, starting off the podcast on a fantastic note, always good. Uh, a bit of good and bad news now with the club posting an official injury report to go alongside Team List Wednesday. Um, we've had confirmation that Hayes Dunster is out for the season. We'll talk about that more uh, shortly when we break down the NRL trial versus the Dragons because, obviously, there is a, a few things we want to iron out there in regards to that whole incident. Mike Acevo is still TBA. Um, what do we project him? Around 10? Was it kind of similar to Adam Dwahi? Yeah, I think yeah, he, he actually he actually did it. I think a week or two later than than uh, Adam, so he'd be around that sort of round twelve window. I want to say so that that's going to be uh, a big boost for the Eels, given that we're sort of perilously short on wingers in particular. Um, but for round one, Nathan Brown has indicated that he is going to be fit, not going to be tis- participating this week in the trial, however, but he is scheduled to take to the field on Sunday round one. And uh, we just mentioned him, but Big Wirimu Greg also going to be back round one. Picked up something of a calf niggle in the All-Stars, it would seem, which is why we did not see him against the Dragons. Speaking of the Dragons, boys, let's get right into it. We saw our first proper preseason. Yeah, yeah. Dirty pricks. <laughs> uh, Eels getting out to a red-hot start in the uh, first quarter of play, up 16-0, I want to say. Uh, yeah, because I think uh, Sean Russell missed the third conversion. Um, but then... Uh, one of the most insane runs of possession I've seen in a long time. I think the Eels barely touched the ball for the next 30 minutes. Uh, so the Dragons storm back to an eventual 26-22 victory. For the Eels, Hayes Perham opened the scoring. Forty had a good game as well. Oregon Kavusi scored off a lovely little uh, dummy half fifth tackle option from Reed Marnie. We saw Sean Russell cross in the corner. And big Solomon Oduki, we saw the best and worst of him in this game, but he did get on the try scorers list there. Jordan Rankin, three from four. Sean Russell, zero from one, narrowly missing to the left, if I recall correctly. This was a, like I said, the first 20 minutes was as perfect an opening to the preseason that you could imagine, boys. Eels were just a well-oiled machine, on fire, the halves pulling all the strings. Hayes Perham chiming in beautifully from the back, that left edge completely tearing the Dragons' right edge apart, to the point where we didn't even give Will Penasini any actual opportunities to attack down the right. Uh, what did you like in that first 20 minutes? And we'll get to some of the other stuff after, but in that opening stanza, what caught your eyes? I like that we were using the ball. Um, a lot of these trials, you see them and they're just sort of bash and barge up the middle, make your, make your ground, make your kick, and then sort of defend from there and really get your um, uh, Ks in the legs. But, we've, you know, Jake was throwing that early ball to Hayes. He wasn't taking on the line, but we obviously had that play set up where Hayes um, cut a cross field and then, yeah, the two players – the second row in the centre hitting the unders line. Um, first off, it was to Laney, who just burst out into the open. Um, I note, I noted you said that he should have passed to Jake. I think watching the replay, I think Jake was a step behind. If it it was awkward, yeah. Jake start. Jake got tangled, like, legally. It wasn't one of the things malicious, I think, but he got tangled pushing through. And I, the ball would have been a difficult one, but I think Jake scores if Lane can throw the perfect pass. 
but he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't take a bad option in the Eels, obviously, on the next play. Uh, made the correct read and played to the left edge short side and went over untouched. Yeah, I think we exploited that Dragons um, defensive side. I thought that uh, he'll come up a bit later on, but Fui Mayono was the one I thought he would have, he would, should have been in position to stop Lane there. Luckily, he wasn't. Otherwise, he probably would have done an ACL injury too. Mm. Um, so it, it was interesting yeah, no, too was, because the Eels was play, did this. Um, it was good just to see us just play some footy. Play, play what's in mm-hmm. front of you. Exactly. And the Eels did this against the Dragons lineup that hypothetically should have been down to 11 men because apparently the NRL were having another super hard crackdown on head-high contact, um, which I, I do say that that happened in our game. We, we both benefited and also got punished by it. But then I saw in the Newcastle-Canberra game a really bad high shot that just the guy got penalised. So <laughs> more, more consistent inconsistency from the NRL. Uh, we've got our first look at Bailey Simonson, boys. Um, he unfortunately misread a, a spectacular Jacob Arthur crossfield kick that should have resulted in a try and um, didn't didn't judge the line properly. But he, he was busy and he also copped that, one of those head-high tackles, actually. Um, what did you make of the, the new winger in the little that we got to see of him? Uh, pretty solid. Like, you know, we're not, I'm not expecting the award from him. You know, I'm not expecting him to be Dalian winning winner of the year, but he's solid. He, you know, he was all right at defense. Um, like, attack, he, you know, he rocked out well. It was just... Um, you know, like, everyone's going to point to that try, you know, he sort of, like, you know, mucked up, but, you know, get Mitchell Moses out there, get them Brown out there, get our full team out there, and, you know, he's going to benefit from it, you know, massively, and, yeah, I think, look, the first 20 minutes, we'll dominate in that game, you know, we'll make an easy meter, so the real test we'll see is when we're under pressure and we're, you know, we're camped in our 20 and see how he rocks out, but, True. yeah, it was very solid from him, and, um, yeah, look, I, I don't know, people say he's not a lock. Or before the game, he wasn't locked for a winger spot. Like, I thought he was a lock no matter what. Yeah, he, he, you know, he brings speed. We yeah. don't have. Even not considering a Hayes does the injury before that happened, mm. he was almost certainly a lock for that right edge wing spot. Um, I suppose another talking point, boys, lost in the trial because of the drama surrounding Hayes' unfortunate injury. The fact that all the Parramatta Eels NRL starters that featured in this game, and there were a few of them, um, we obviously had Hayes who was there, but also Will Penasini, Bailey Simonson, Oregon Kafusi on the bench uh, in the NRL team, obviously. Reed Marnie, Big Makatoa, Murata Niakore, Sean Lane, Ray Stone. And then on the bench in this game, Bryce Cartwright and uh, Ryan Madison, who was a late addition. I thought that all of those NRL-graded boys played strong games, which is exactly what you want to see at this time of the year. Didn't like there was too much rust, uh, in particular for guys like Reed and some of those bookends there had really strong games that bodes well for round one. Absolutely couldn't say it any better. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's get to the bad stuff. Obviously, the Dragons did run us down with a glut of possession. I'm not too wound up about that. There was a couple of bad errors. Sean Russell, who I thought actually had a very good game outside of his stuck his hand out, yeah. <laughs> unneeded, had a, a driving clearing kick that uh, ended up going to touch, and then we had another deflection and a charge down that all went against us in one that of those. One, uh, I just want to just talk about that one because that was Laney, who I thought outside of that, Part but outside of that play, I thought it was really good. It was mm-hmm. really switched on. But that play, it was on a seven the, tackle set. The, the charge down is so it's such a unnecessarily risky move in the NRL, isn't it? There is almost always going to be a, a backbite to it because once you've played the ball and the reset happens, you're like the only one that can make a play at it unless there's a, a freakish yeah. deflection. So it was third tackle on yes, a seven tackle set. Correct. That were outside the forty, and it was a, it was a, a clearing kick. It wasn't. It wasn't for a 40-20. It wasn't for anything. It wasn't an attacking kick. Let the ball go through. Your fullback is going to cover it. Yeah, and Hayes, Hayes Parham was on the ball as well. Outside the 40. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Let it go. 
Yeah, I wouldn't do a charge down unless it's a field goal uh, attempt. Yeah, because- obviously, Betty, there are exceptions to that rule to save games. But yeah, in general play, um, unless you've got a clean run at the ball and you know you're going to get it, like you can actually engineer a positive deflection and you've got, you're going to stay on your feet and get to it first. Geez, it just, it almost never, almost never pays off, it feels like. This is a, even a few times last year, like you go for the intercept and you knock it down. Like, like at, at the time of the event, it doesn't seem much, but you know, then you have a seven tackle, like a, then you get forced dropout. Like sooner or later, before you realize it, you know, you're defending for four or five sets. So like, yep. it's not, a, it's not a risk at the, at the time, but down the track, it plays a big, um, uh, changes the dynamic in the game. So it's not, I don't think it's worth it to be honest, in my opinion. No, I think that's a fair summation, Birdie. Um, just trying to think of any other positives to take out of this. Um, oh, I jinxed L- uh, Sean Lane. I was giving him a standing ovation at halftime, and then he drops the ball, and then he does. Ah, oh, L- really Lane, Lane on the large responded positively to being awarded the captaincy in this game. Um, that does bode well for round one. We need him locked in because as much as he can be frustrating with some of those errors that he has in his game, he's absolutely a difference maker with that height and leverage that he gets uh, between tacklers. Uh, oh, one thing I want to point out. Yes, I think it's been three years now that we've watched Matthew Komalafi. That is the first time I've ever seen him in open space. <laughs> really, yeah, he comes in his like se- quote unquote senior grade debut. <laughs> he's, he's been a, a obviously an outstanding performer in the junior reps ham, and he's scored plenty of tries close to the try line. Um, and I think he's made some great cover plays too defensively, but. In terms of getting open space, it didn't happen for him very often, did it? So seeing him no, get, it's good to chance. see him. It just yeah. stride out. Um, good to see Josh Chupalotu mm-hmm. get on the field. I thought, you know, he didn't have many minutes to make his stamp on the game, but I think he showed that, you know, he'll be pushing for that. Um, well, now there's a, a spot potentially open. Yeah, in the he, he could be. He could be the big winner. Uh, you don't want to, you know, phrase it that way, but you know, the one that's going to fill the void left by Hayes being lost and thus Sean Russell being promoted and thus there being an opening in reserve grade. So, yeah, hopefully Josh can capitalise on that. Um, here's another Mar- thing. Moretti was solid. He's, you know, kept busy. He yep. didn't like... Another new face. Yep. He put uh, Rodwell for a good hole and, you yeah, know, just... Nice, nice ball playing between the forwards there. Uh, I know yeah. that Ham mentioned in his post-game rap when we were chatting about it um, on the, uh, the old discords that um, he had Brendan hands down for, what, 22 tackles, one ineffective, Ham? Yeah, I thought that was unbelievable. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of work rate um, coming into that game. Um, he's but got just, some... Can we just go back on Moretti? Mm-hmm. I like the way he runs into the line because he, he, he's not the tallest, but he, he's got that potty lean and he, he leads in with his shoulder. Or not, not, not like a shoulder charge sort of thing, but he leads shoulder first. He's not afraid of that contact. It's good, it's good to see. I think... Uh, I think you probably start off the bench in our reserve grade team. He might get a look in at the starting, but I think there's a lot there to work with. He does remind me a lot of a young Nathan Brown, where not quite the ball skills of Brownie, but just that ruthless aggression to to take a Which is always wrestling a good, term. Always a good foundation, isn't it, Ham? Yeah. Um, if you can hone that aggression and use it in the right manner, you can absolutely win a lot of the physical clashes in rugby league. Um, but yeah, looking at that extended bench, I already gave Sean Russell a shout out. One, one error, but I thought he was very good. Otherwise, got a bit of time at fullback, looked pretty smooth there. We both know that he's very good at fullback, but uh, sort of his career path to the NRL right now lies on the wing, which is why he's been playing that position in reserve grade. Offer he Ogden had that one error where it probably should have been challenged for a penalty, but I thought he was pretty busy aside from that, did a lot of good work. I felt the Dragons tried to um, target him. But in general, he was falling forward, which is always positive. And then, yeah. Uh, one good thing I liked about Ogden was um, 
There was no making post contact meters when he tackled you. Mm, yeah, wrap he him hit him hard, and they just stay and stopped. Winning the collision. Yep. Yeah, because you talk about that on both sides of the ball, and it's just as important defensively to stop those extra meters that eat into your uh, defensive line and, and cause those ten meter penalties so often. Oh, I think if he if you can get him making first contact. With the way the wrestlers at the moment, you can bring in players two and three and put the I, – I reckon he'll be really good at slowing down the play of the ball through his assistance. And, yeah, going back to Brendan Hands, um, I thought that was a tidy debut, Ham, and I do look forward to games where he can get a little bit more influence on the game offensively, but obviously the, the flux of that game led uh, to the Dragons having a lot of possession, hence his high tackle count. But it was a positive first up debut for him. And probably going back to the starting team, the player we should talk a little bit about, and the one that actually caught uh, Brandy Alexander's eye in coverage was Jacob Arthur, who I thought organized really nicely, should have had a nice try assist to Bowie Simonson. Um, and he's looking like he's filled into that frame a bit this year. I was say, a lot of the boys look bigger. Um, you know, Russell, even though he's a lightweight, they've all... Russell's another one that's definitely ch- started to fill out a bit, yeah. Yeah, they've all gotten bigger, like... Any bigger, and he, you know, he's entering like a second row lock stage um, in terms of his body type because he's just he's really tall, he's really broad shoulders. But and that that might be a point we talk about soon in this podcast. So just pencil that one down, but we'll circle back to it later. Uh, Ham, what were your thoughts on Jake before we move on to the ugly out of this game? This is now what the fourth year that we've seen Jake, I believe, coming up from Howard Matthews all the yes. way through. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just see every year he's added something to his game, whether it be. Um, that first year of Harold Mats, he wasn't. He didn't really run the ball. Um, but the next year, he added getting his body in front for defending, which is what you want as a half. You don't necessarily have to make the tackle, but as long as you've got your body in front, you're stopping them or you're slowing, the, halting the, the momentum. Um, the year after that, he added a running game. Uh, 2020 was unfortunate, but in the schoolboys, he sort of he took the line on more and was willing to do the show and go the the old Jonathan Thurston, mm-hmm. where he dummy left and then step off his left and go through. Um, this year, I just thought he didn't really show much. But I just I, I thought he showed control in the game. He didn't he didn't you know outside of that um, crossfield kick, which you know Bailey should have scored. That's Bailey's got to learn to stay on his wing. Um, that's a Paramateriel's winger problem <laughs> since day dot. I think. <laughs> um, but I just thought he showed a lot of control. Uh, I thought it was a good game plan from him where he gave it to his outside men early. I do like that in a half where um, they don't have they don't play with the dinner suit on, but they give their outside men early ball, line up the opposition halfback and run straight at them. Because in that way, that attracts in your centre and second row. They're going, that's going to be their game plan. And that's when you can go, all right, now I'm going to attack the line. Now I'm going to do that show and go. And then I'm going to bust through because the second rower, he's going to be worried about his little mate on his outside. He's got to help defend with. That's it. So I, I like that little game plan. Um, I, I'm excited to see more of him. I, I'm, I think that he was starting to really progress in New South Wales Cup last year. I think that progression will just um, keep going. Uh, I can see him being one of the top halves in New South Wales Cup this year. All righty. So one of the main goals of the preseason is obviously, you know, you get your good form here and there and the guys that jump out, but you want to get Farouf out injuries. And unfortunately for Parramatta, early in this contest, Hayes Dunster uh, goes down after Tyrell Fumiano, former Eel, and also uh, not quite his brother-in-law, but his uh, partner's brother, uh, girlfriend's brother there, um, gets him in what is now known as a hip drop tackle. Hayes immediately goes down, clutching at his knee, NRL Physio on Twitter said it uh, looks like it's going to be almost certain MCL damage, possible ACL damage. Unfortunately, ends up being the complete trifecta. 
uh, ACL, MCL, PCL. Uh, you know, probably did the lateral, collateral too. Uh, poor kid was literally cementing his spot on the wing and growing as a player after a sensational finish to the 2021 season. Been a lot said and a lot written about this in the media, boys. Fulmiano has been demonized to an extent. Uh, today, Parramatta players came out showing solidarity for the former Eel. And I think it is worth mentioning that I don't believe he, do, he always does or tries to attempt these tackles with malice in mind. He does have a history of hip drop tackling, but I think it comes more from uh, a background of poor technique that has not been corrected, which obviously is an individual issue and a club issue for the Dragons. At least that's my take on it. But he has now been suspended more than he's played in the last couple of seasons, almost certainly, I think, at this point, after what he did to Ryan Pappenhausen last year, plus a couple of the other suspensions that he's picked up that have been in the similar range for what he got against Hayes, uh, being five weeks. Where do you where do you see this one playing out? Uh, does Tyrell need to go away and have a long look at how he's approaching his defensive side of his game? Do the Dragons need to review? Does the NRL need to step in? Um well, if you're getting suspended, if you're getting charged four times in two years for a, a hip drop tackle, you do need to change that. You know, you, you bring up whether it's malicious or not. I, I, outside of few players in the modern game, even that, I don't think there's any players in the modern game that go out there to intentionally. Yeah, there, there's there's aggression and there's there's guys that look for big hits because it's inspirational and can force mistakes. And you got to remember, this is a gladiatorial sport. It is literally one of the most physical codes amongst all competitive sports in the world. Like you said, Han, there are very few characters because it takes a, a rather sinister bloke. But um, when you go out there and the, the governing body deems that a, a tackle style or a tackle technique is dangerous so they've outlawed it, you need to change your tackling technique to do that. Now, he's, he's obviously got a poor tackling technique because he's done it four, he's been charged for it four times in two years. So we know there's a problem he needs to change it. I don't care if there's uh, malice or not. It, he's done something wrong, and y- you know you, you say, uh, "Well, a three uh, grade three charge is three weeks." The reason why he's got five weeks is because he's got priors. Well, if you've got if you've done this three times in two years, I'm sorry, but two extra weeks isn't enough. No, it it should have been nine, ten weeks minimum because and- he needs to go away. He needs to fix his tackling technique so he doesn't injure other players. Like, you can't bring injury into it, but he's injured one of our players. No, I think you have to. Well, because in, let's just in, say this is one of the contentious areas among uh, among the judiciary sort of uh, critics, Bertie, is that sometimes it feels like injury has come to grading, and sometimes it hasn't. And it, by definition, it's not meant to. But I do agree with Ham in that I think that the entire. I mean, we we spoke about the judiciary need to be overhauled in general. But like you said, Ham in particular, if there is a repeat offender. It feels like the the scaling punishments aren't matching the damage that's been done on the field for a player failing to learn from his errors. Well, the funny thing is, if he fought, you know, if he fights it and loses, it, loses a challenge, you get an extra two weeks. Like that, that's the junior polo situation, right? Back against yeah. Matty Bowen. But know. like back to like, I understand. You know, you don't have to factor in the injury. Let's just say he comes back again, right? He does the same little tackle two weeks later, takes another guy out for the year. That's two players have gone for the year. I'm just saying. For the, this type of tackle where the possibility of an injury is long-term, you have to factor it in because what benefit do we get out of this, you know? Like, how do we know he's going to stop? Because what if he goes and takes out another two more people? That's two players. That's, I just, I just, you know, you look at the NFL, right? It's another brutal sport. They they put, they outlawed the, the horse um, the horse collar tackle, you know, where, they, where the players were dragging the collars backwards because people were doing their knees. 
you have to outlaw it and you have to get very tough. So what? We're, Hayes is missing a whole year. This guy's only missing five weeks, right? That's what, a quarter of the season? He has to miss half the season. As, as brutal as it is, he has to miss half the season because poor Hayes Dunster, his whole season, you know, this could, you know, not knock on wood, this could end his career. You never know. He's done all three ligaments in his knee. Like, it's it just pissed me off. Like, uh, what, what a Paul Vaughn. Paul Vaughn got, what, eight weeks or some shit for, um, having, uh, for breaking the biosecurity. I just feel as though... Foul play has to be very has to be dealt harshly in terms of like suspensions, you know. And it's just it just pissed me off seeing that, you know. Judge Bernie has spoken. Who's the mm. grub? Like no, he's no, done no, it three I, times in, I, in twelve months. The the pattern of behaviour is a concern, and once again, that reflects on the player and it reflects on the club. And that's why I asked: Should the NRL be intervening even beyond a judicial level now, uh, in in so far as correcting this because players are consistently getting hurt with Tyrell making these tackles. And obviously he's not the only offender when it comes to the hip drop, but he is clearly one of the most prevalent offenders. Um, so if he does it again, is he getting seven weeks? Well, is he getting eight weeks? Is I, he getting, like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And does it add by two I, weeks? I don't, I don't think the NRL can step in because it's up to the Dragons. If the NRL keeps suspending him and going, okay, it's just going to keep increasing, increasing. Well, now he's out for half a season because he's done it for five times in two, two and a half years. He's going, he's going to go out for 12 games. That's what the NRL can do. Then it's up to the Dragons and Tyrell to sit down and go, okay, well, over this 12 weeks, over this time period, we need to change it because you're one of our starting forwards. We don't want you out for half a season just because you can't tackle properly. I, I mean, Harrington. I, 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 don't, I don't know if the NRL can do – I don't know if the NRL can or should go out to training and go, oh, well, you've got to show to us you can tackle properly. But that should be done by the clubs. It's it's when it's on the field, and unfortunately, should, if uh, should another there be, injury does happen, should there be that, that is unfortunate. Punishment levied against the Dragons if it happens again. Well, maybe you do. The maybe. onus is on the player. Like you look at Adrian Morley, he had to leave the NRL, go back home because he was racking up too many suspensions. His tech, his technique was bad. He's sloppy. You know, Heverington's now talking about he has to change his tackling. And then you have the grub, Latrell Mitchell, saying, I don't have to change anything. Like, I feel as though the onus is on the player. That's, you start hitting them hard, and he got to take responsibility. That's another With whole Latrell, can of worms. I think it is the player. Yeah, that's another whole can of worms I don't want to get well, into. I, because, I think that's his, yeah. that's his judgment yeah. and his way of thinking. And I, I'm not sure if um, South Sydney or whoever can get through to Latrell on that thinking beat. With Latrell, I mean, you, you can't do what he did to Joe, Joey Manu. Like, oh, my goodness. He, no. he went into oh, – in that instance, I think he went to hurt him. It sure, it sure reads like that, Ham. Like watching that game and watching the angle and and just the way he launched himself at Joey. The contact area could have only ever been in a reckless point. And yeah, and I know that he's been quite vocal in the last forty eight hours about uh, how he feels he's being targeted and you know and whatnot. But gee, uh, we 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 already mentioned this when it came to. Uh, Luca Moretti, right? We love controlled aggression in rugby league players, and it's one of the best asset for some of the, the best players. But Latrell gets unhinged, and I think that's the difference between him and Tyrell. Tyrell's got a technique problem, um, and he obviously yeah. plays with aggression, but he's got a technique problem here with the hip drop tackle. Latrell loves the big hit. He loves the explosive defensive play, and like I said, he gets unhinged at times uh, with his technique and gets very loose to a point where he can only ever be doing harm with the approach that he has. But yeah, let's um save that for another day because I dare say we haven't heard the last about the Latrell saga. 
This is going to be an ongoing talking point throughout the course of the 2022 season, one would figure. Um, but the NRL trial was not the only action from the weekend. Ham, unfortunately, I couldn't get out to Ringrose for this one. I got double booked. But you did get out there to watch the first Jersey Flake action of season 2022. Uh, who did we take on and how did it play out? Uh, we took on St. George Dragons. Uh, yeah, it was St. George Dragons. Um a lot of the players I was unfamiliar with, we ended up losing uh, three tries to one. I say three tries to one, there was no goal kick, so it's 12-4. It doesn't really mean a thing. It's three tries to one. Um, uh, a lot of new faces. There was one new f- – oh, well, there's a uh, new face people would know through um, a stupid article by uh, the not, the Nine Mole, and that's um, Dante uh, Louis, who yep. scored our only try. Um, very good player. I was I – was, Impressed with the way he played. He got a lot into early in the game, a lot into first receiver. It wasn't just in the attacking half. Um, probably from about our forty meter line, he got into first receiver, put his forwards where he wanted them to go. Um, that was really uh, different. To see. you don't usually see that in twenties um, football. So that was really good to see. Um, uh, for those wondering, Jaden Yates and Dave Hollis played. They started the game. Uh, once they were subbed off, they didn't come back on. And another player that caught my eye was a new recruit, played fullback for us, Corey Fenning. Mm-hmm. Um, a a nuggety sort of play. He's not overly tall, probably about six foot or so. Um, but I like, I like how we were in an era where six foot's not considered tall. You know? Yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm 5'11". I, I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not, not, not in your six foot two, six foot three range where we've seen, you know, Jake Arthur, Sean Russell, and Sam Luizu. Uh, he's not that tall, but he's just built thick. Um, really aggressive. That's what I really liked about it. I'm not sure if his future position is fullback, but you want him getting his hands on the ball and you want him making those returns because he went 100 miles an hour and he was he was really good. A lot of a lot of talk um, in defence, pointing where players needed to go in the defensive line. I uh, just really liked his involvement. He played what the games are 70 minutes. I think he played about 55 mm-hmm. um, from there, and then from there I didn't have a team list, and there was just. Too many a lot names. of new faces. Yeah, we we had a chance to yeah. uh, take a peek at the squad that we sort of uh, roughly assembled, and there is. I mean, obviously, we know a good portion of the squad, whether they're uh, graduates from the junior reps or returnees from last year's flag program. But yeah, we we have recruited heavily outside of the district this year to augment the team, which means it's going to take us a few weeks to get familiar with these players, how they play, uh, what their sort of uh, projections are which is always exciting too. Getting to familiarize yourself with a new team is fun, and that's going to be something we're going to do over the course of the coming weeks, unfortunately. Oh, and just uh, just quickly, another player I recognized was Albert Etuate Fave. Mm-hmm. Um, put on a bit of size, and he's charged the ball up really well. Took a lot of strong carries. Albert was another strong performer in the junior rep, so hopefully he can turn that into a strong campaign in the flag this year. Yeah, I mean, like, like we said before, results don't matter too much in the preseason. Obviously, you do like to get wins to build a little bit of momentum, but the key is to get out without injuries. And Ham, I don't think you saw anything of serious note in this game. Um, just trying to think. No, I, I, I don't believe. I'm, I'm so. sure there's and, some um, there's some niggles and some uh, corks and maybe some minor tears, but yeah, the, there was. No um, I did see Josh Chapel doing a fitness run, fitness test uh, before. Okay, so he was obviously touch and go for this game, which means he'll probably be in action this week against the Panthers. Um, although we don't have team lists there. Going backwards a day to Saturday, and this is another one I couldn't get out to because it was out in the boonies out in Camden. But Ham, you made the trip, mate. You're an absolute hero for it in uh, sub 
park conditions and for a uh, interesting suite of games here we've got all three results as in a win a loss and a draw on the scoreboard in round three for the junior reps kicking off with the tasha gal mate the game of the day i dare say uh, eels taking on one of the form outfits in this competition in the west tigers are sort of being penciled in as one of the top four contenders uh, and obviously meaning that they're also a title contender um, and the Eels 24 defeating West Tigers 16 in a seesawing game for the Eels. Jacinta Tui, Ashley Pottinger and Rosemary Beckett all getting over the line. But uh, Alicia Bell uh, channeling the uh, spirit of old mate Hazamel Masri here. Um, an absolute sharpshooter from the kicking tee, nailing free from free try conversions and adding a further free penalty conversions to be the difference in this game. Personally accounting for 12 points from the kicking tee. And an absolute weapon to have in your pocket, mate. I mean, I mentioned Hazen before, but he showed that you can forge a very serious career by being an absolute sharpshooter and then just being a tidy player in general play. Um, Bell is being an absolute difference maker for our Tasha Gale over the first three rounds. Honestly, I think she's... It'd be a big call to say she's the best, but she's right up there with one of our better goal kickers in the club. She's just... Hits the ball so sweetly. She was kicking him. Um, our first try by Jacinta Tui was on the outside scrum line, so it's at 10 metres in. She nailed it. She just absolutely smashed it. And she's just, it's been unbelievable. Like, to kick six from six and then a lot of penalty goals, when you you see them when um, goal kickers are warming up, as you take it across the 20-metre line, all your penalty goals are from all different positions. So yeah, and it, it it's a bit often unravels the good goal kickers in the NRL. That's exactly right, and she was just she just nails them. She got such a a really nice action, and it just kicks the ball so sweetly. And well, I mean, you're getting six from six. I, I think any goal kicker would just be absolutely ecstatic with that. Um, outside of Alicia's goal kicking, I thought that um, uh, Rosemary Beckett has really sort of stamped her mark on this game. She was getting the ball, um, using our edges really well, and a player who wasn't initially named in the team, but Tamara. I think it's Tamara or Tamara, Tamara Liati. Liati, yeah, Tamara uh, Liati. Yep. Uh, yeah, she was big and powerful on the wing. Didn't take too many carries, but every carry that she took was really powerful. Really troubled the defence. Um, so yeah, and then obviously uh, the forward pack always um, hard working. I thought Kayana Lokeni had her best game. She was running some really nice lines. Really hard to bring down. Uh, and Summit Tarare, she just smashes them in defence like. She, she's the Ray Stone of this team. <laughs> Always the, good the to other have girls Stoney want to run it or, or a alike in the team. Um, but yeah, the Eels lift themselves into eighth place on the ladder as a result. Uh, actually, an equal share, if I'm just reading this table right, where are the points? Uh, so they're actually an equal share of third, it looks like. No, because the Dragons have a bye. So uh, equal share of fourth. So um, depending on for and against, they do have positive two, but the Newcastle Knights have positive 56. So a little bit of work to be done in terms of the differential, but big strides being taken on a weekly basis, um, and they're on a bit of a win streak now, which is always good. They'll go into a bye, as will the boys in the mats and ball next week, meaning they've got a chance to regroup and build towards that uh, post-buy action. Moving on to the Harold Matsham, and this is probably the most contentious or dramatic game of the day, which is saying a lot given what happened in the SG ball. Uh, but the Eels ultimately defeated 10 to 12 against the Western Suburbs Magpies. This was a split uh, round with Western Tigers, West Tigers in the Gale, and then the Western Suburbs uh, branch of the joint venture in the Mats and Ball. For the Eels, Michael Gabriel and Sam Tuavati scored the. Gabriel trial against the run of play, if I'm not mistaken. 
Unfortunately, Muhammad Al-Madin could only go one from two on his try conversions, proving the difference for at least a piece of the points. Um, but yeah, having this one relayed to me by myself, by yourself and uh, another mate at the park there, um, some real contentious refereeing calls went against the Parramatta Reels um, and the Magpies were able to capitalise. Yeah, I won't, I won't ref blame at this, uh, at this grade because, you know, obviously it's a young bloke coming through just like... The players are. I won't be too harsh on on the young. Oh yeah, yeah I mean it, exactly. Like when I say contentious stuff, it happens. Like that. That's yeah. part of the NRL, but it's also part of the lower grades. And like you said, um, if a ref has a bad game, he's had a bad game. That's it. Yeah. Know? Um, it's it's hard to say about this guy. I thought that um in that opening stanza, the only way they looked like they were going to score was from that long long range effort, which was against the run of play. Uh, Luke Maroon. Uh, I think the ball went behind in the play. He scooped it up very quick. And I was actually surprised by uh, Michael Jabril's pace. Because absolutely he, nugget, yeah. Center, but he kept up with him. And he once when he got the ball, he pushed on. It was really surprising to see um, the pace of Michael Jabril. I think that I think there needs to be a few positional changes. There's obviously some tidying up that needs to be done in both grades because they're leaving points on the field. They're leaving points on the ladder uh, on the field. Yeah, just looking at now, that's their second loss of the year. Yeah, so they fall to one from three on the season, and that means uh, in the history of, or recent history of the, the reps since it moves to a top six rather than a top eight, you've got to pretty much win out. Um, yeah, you, they're you, going to win every game from here on. You've got a margin of maybe one loss pending results and for and against, and that it might not even be one loss. Uh, and you've just got to take care of business and run that table. So they're going to head into the bye, like I mentioned before, and they've got a, a, a lot to figure out alongside the ball. Um, but, yeah, they've got to get out there and, and just hit that ground running and, and just get results. Yeah, they've got the week off here. Mm-hmm. Um, in that week, I'd be getting every one of those players if we – You carry, you carry around everywhere. Yeah, it does not leave. Absolutely, because, you know, it's an old-school mentality. It's, it's probably – it goes back way before Jack Gibson. But he, but, did, he did popularize it for rugby league, yeah. So you've you got to hold that footy – don't, because yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of talented players in this team. Um, you know, I could rattle them off now, but they're, they're, I don't know if they're don't know if they're playing as a team. And don't know. part part of this is the it's one, hard to say this because they're only seventeen years. A lot of them exactly. might even be sixteen years old. Exactly. And to to be fair, there is a steep learning curve that comes from being very successful at club football in a good district. The Parramatta Junior District is obviously one of the premier districts in rugby league. And then turning that into consistent success in the junior reps where you're versing the best of the best from every district. Um, and, you know, th- that can be a tough learning curve, a tough transition sometimes where you've all you've known is success in junior football and then now you're versing other teams that all have known is success. And, you know, you've got to figure out how to overcome that adversity. And it, it's an important learning curve. And one of, one of my favorite things I was taught when it comes to sports is that you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. And obviously you don't want to have too many things to learn from, too many losses. But losses are important when it comes to player development. And uh, these boys in the mats and in the ball need to take the lessons from those losses and convert them into real-time experience and, and individual and team progression. That's exactly it. And, you know, these 17 boys – you know, obviously there's a few changes here and there every week, but whoever's picked in this Parramatta Eels, Harold Matthews team, for the district reps in general, you are in such a privileged position here because we've got, I don't know how many players fighting for those 17 positions. We've got so many that Manly, Tigers, Dogs, Souths, Roosters, Penrith, you know, they 
hit these players that aren't picked in this 17 or the players that would should, could be picked in our 17, they're enticed over to these other clubs. So these 17 are picked are in a very, very privileged position. What, you, what they've got to do is take them with two, understand the position they're in, take them with two hands, as you said, learn from these mistakes and then continue their development so that, you know, when in round five when they play, if they don't, if they don't complete their first five sets, they don't drop their heads. They don't go, oh, here's another, here's another game we're going to lose. They need to take that on board and to go, okay, well, we know we, because they're not losing by big amounts. They lost this game by a penalty goal. You know, one try in it. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all that would have taken, and they would have won. So they're very talented football wise. That it's just it's that mental side of the game that I think they're sort of they need to learn in. They need to develop more. No, fair enough. Um, moving on now, we've had the win, we've had the loss. Now we get the draw, Ham. This one was painful, I imagine. Uh, big Siliasi Aho is back and he scores uh, in his first game back in the lineup. Uh, new face, Arthur Miller Stephen, also adding a nice individual try. Rowie Canning off the bench, uh, nabbing the Eels the lead, although that was swiftly cut down by the West Magpies. Uh, Ethan Sanders, two from three, again proving the crucial. Uh, unfortunate difference in terms of a win or a draw. Sanders usually super sharp from the tee, but just pushing one away. Um, also, a couple of late opportunities squandered in this one. I believe there was a knock-on over the line in the last five or ten minutes, followed by Sanders uh, pushing another uh, pushing a field goal attempt. Sorry, uh, wide that would obviously would have won the game. This one, <laughs> this is a funny one because the Eels uh, entered this game winless, as did the Magpies. And both teams left this game winless in a very cruel, uh, poetic twist. Um, yeah, as, as, I, as I was just saying with the Harold Mats, you know that first five sets in this game is in these games are really crucial. In this game, don't take my word for it, but I, I believe we completed either the first seven or first eight sets of six. Now you look at when we scored the fourth minute and the eighth minute. That's your, that's going to be around that time of your first seven sets of six because you're going to be trading. Completions get results in every grade, but especially the junior reps. Yeah, holding on to the ball goes so far towards victory. That's exactly it. And then leading up to the our try in the 56th minute, I was counting. We completed five sets of six. The Magpies completed four out of five. We scored in that fifth set. There you go. And then from that kickoff, I believe we dropped it on the third tackle and they scored. So... Again, it's just a talented. Pl- I believe they're a talented team. They're a very young team. We've got eight or nine that are playing under a year under. So they they just need to hold that. Like it's very it's very boring. I understand this, but it's the boring stuff that makes you a new first grader. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not that you know we've we've seen players in the past who could do everything. They could kick the ball. They could throw it behind them, kick it with their heels, chip kick and rebound it to them. We've seen that. But that, they're not the ones playing first grade. It's your bloke that can make 40 tackles, doesn't drop the ball, and just plays hard. He's the one that makes first grade over the over the tricky player because they just have to work hard at it. And that's what I think this team has to do. It sort of reminds me of a famous Bruce Lee quote where he said, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Those players that can master you know, those fund- fundamental aspects of the game, the ones that you know can be trusted to get forwards and every tack, every hit up and not drop the ball, get to their feet for a fast play of the ball and not mess it up, you know, execute a strong or dominant tackle consistently. They're, they're the ones, like you said, that go on to become first graders, like blue chip first graders. So, yeah. And that's- I, I believe there are potential first graders in this team. I, I really like the work of uh, the new fellow, AMS, Arthur Miller-Steven. Mm-hmm. 
I thought he was a live wire, very light feet. Um, Cody Parry is just every run that he makes, he's making extra meters. Ethan Sanders kicking game. Larry Mike at the TR. You know, we've got a lot of talented players here, and I, they are future first graders. They just need to take maybe take a step back, take a breath. Instead of playing at 110% every hit up, slow it down a little bit. Play, you know, when you scored that try, make sure that you get to that end of set and kick. Yeah, for the after points. after points, you get to your kick. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't so. even, you know, because I, I on that set. Fuolima made 30 metres on the kickoff. And then I th- I think it was Al-Hazim or someone of that sort of shorter stature were up on their 50. On the third tackle, we're playing the ball on their 40-metre line. You know, that's, that's a long way to make it up the field, and yet the next player would just drop the ball. Like, that that extra two tackles puts you in position for a field goal. It puts you 17 points ahead. We win it from there. We probably score We probably do go on to score another try from there. But instead... They played too fast for themselves and they dropped the ball. Yes, sir. Yeah, some uh, important lessons there to be learned in the junior reps for some promising but inconsistent teams there for the Mats and Ball. Like we said, they've got the uh, bye. That's the word I was looking for, the bye uh, in this upcoming week. Chance to regroup, do a bit of a soul-searching is probably too strong a word, but um, just you know, do some self-reflection and, and like you said, Ham, maybe figure out that less is more uh, for some of these games where they're trying too hard or trying to – uh, overplay their hands at times and just get back to the fundamentals and dominate that part of the game. Looking forward to seeing what they can do with that buy and how they can energize their finals push from there. But yeah, that wrap up from Ham caps off a frenetic week of action. Actually, that was a lot of football just missing the NRLW, but that's around the corner boys. And I'm excited for that. But before we get to the NRLW round one preview, we do have an NRL trial this week. There's also a new South Wales cup and Jersey flag trials, but the Eels have not announced teams as per my most recent knowledge, I have a quick look. And no, they haven't. Sir. Um, so we could potentially speculate, but it's probably not worth our time, Ham, given that the uh, focus is on the NRL right now with that Hayes Dunster injury. Who's going to step up? Um, who's going to be on the bench filling out some vacant spots left by the departure of Will Smith and company? Um, but let's look at what the team announced as per Brad Arthur is for that Saturday clash. Um, we've got co-captains this year, obviously, starting off Quinton Gufferson, who is retaining his captaincy responsibilities uh, from prior years. He'll be fullback. Sean Russell gets his name called, and he's going to be the man to fill Hayes Dunster's spot on that left wing. Will Penasini will be at right center. Wanga Blake at left center. Bailey Simonson partnering Penasini on the right, meaning Blake is obviously with Russell on the left. Uh, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses return uh, for normal duties in the halves. In the front row, those all-stars, Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo with the C next to his name in 2022. God, I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, with uh, Reed Marnie at uh, dummy half between them. Sean Lane and Zaya Papali'i starting on the edges, given that Murata Niakore is suspended for round one. He will play in this game off the bench, though. And at lock forward, Ryan Madison will take over from Nathan Brown, who we believe will be back for round one but is absent from this contest. On the bench, he's just re-upped for the Eels, rewarded with that first jersey on the interchange. Number 14, Big Makahesi Makatoa, Oregon Kafusi, Ray Stone, and probably the one that's going to spark a lot of talking points amongst the wider fandom, Jake Arthur, winning the, uh, I suppose, uh, the important 17th jersey here, given that there is a distinction between uh, 17 and then the rest of the jerseys afterwards in the context of first grade. But that extended roster featuring plenty of plays, up to 28 in total, actually, starting with uh, Mitch Rain at dummy half on number 18, Rodney Akore, number 19, Ofahiki Ogden, another man that's re-upped with the club in 20, 
Jordan Rankin, 21, Brennan Hands, 22, Kai Rodwell, 23, Bryce Cartwright, 24, Hayes Perham, 25, Solomon Aduki, 26, Tom Opachik, 27, and Sam Loizu. Good to see him there, back from injury, uh, looking to take part in the cup trial, I dare say, backing up in the first grade, the last man at 28. That is a big team to take on the Panthers. In previous years, we've seen, what, 60 minutes or thereabouts, 50, 60 minutes from our starters and uh, the sort of uh, frontline interchange players before we start seeing sweeping changes for the uh, fringe prospects, for the young guys, uh, for the battlers looking to force their way into the picture. Eels obviously naming uh, as full strength for lineup as possible, boys. Um, I haven't seen Penrith's team, but I dare say they've done the same. Let me quickly have a gander. Uh, have they actually announced their team, I suppose, is the question. NRL.com says we haven't announced any teams there. Uh, this is awkward, sorry. I cannot see a Penrith lineup. I imagine they do have one, though. But let's just say that the Panthers are named a full-strength lineup, given that they played a lot of frontline stars uh, in round one. What do we make of the team, boys? Um, I suppose the one, the 13, really speaks for itself. On the bench, some big uh, question marks there. Jake Arthur seemingly winning this, uh, winning that race for the utility role. Um, and then in the extended roster, some young guys, some fringe prospects. Uh, who do we want to talk about? Where do we start? Birdie starts. I've done a fair bit of my talking. <laughs> oh, heavy lifting. Me anymore. Birdie, <laughs> obviously the starting roster sort of picks itself, factoring in injury and suspension to Hayes Dunster, Murata Niakore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when you look at that bench, uh, you liking the, the muscle on there? You like the Big Mac in Oregon there? Do you think someone else should have been in the contest? Um, we'll get to Jake uh, Arthur after. Um, to be honest, like, yeah, I like the bench just to Jake Arthur. And I'm not shit on Jake Arthur. I just thought uh, he can come on with the second team, you know, and, and be the halfback. Look, I was hoping maybe, you know, you might give Rodwell, you know. Because as, as I said in the last podcast, I feel as though the last bench spot is up to Rodwell and um, Ogden. So I thought, you know, maybe give one of them the go. But look, I've got no faults with it, you know. I'm happy with it. You know, I want to see Wonga Blake, see how he responds. You know, he looks mm. good with the haircut. But, um, Blake looking yeah. very, very good, actually, in the training gallery today. Going forward, you know, um, Nathan Brown, you know, he's coming off an injury, you know, like he's going to be fit for round one. Like we we saw Maddo play against the Dragons and he was a bit, you know, iffy at lock because, you know, with the head knocks, his head history, he's a bit in the middle of it. And I don't know, I just feel as though lock is going to be probably our biggest question mark this season in terms of Nathan Brown, can he stay healthy and... I'd like to see, and I would have liked to see maybe, you know, as I said, Ogden at 17 or even Luca at 17 because I just feel as though I have a, have a feeling that a lock's going to be a big question mark this year for us going forward. Ray Stone does provide cover for lock forward, though, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him mm. deployed in that capacity. Uh, this is something that I think Sixties wrote about originally quite a while back now in the preseason after seeing Jake starring through those training sessions. And it's something that Brandy Alexander sort of touched on as well, unprompted. I don't know if he'd been reading TCT or he had the same thought. But during coverage against the Dragons, uh, he was impressed with Jacob Arthur and actually raised the possibility of Arthur playing uh, the utility role off the bench. And I suppose the the question, and I, I posed this question on Team West Wednesday as well, was it's well and good that you know Jake has put himself into this picture because he has had a strong preseason and he's you know physically grown and and I think in terms of his playmaking he's going to be more mature. But uh, can he do more than just cover the halves? And that that's the big question, is it? 
because obviously having halves protection on the bench is really nice in a worst case scenario because the when your half goes down in a game, usually you're just doomed. But if you have a guy on a bench that can play a high level in the halves, that is a huge plus, assuming that he gives you flexibility in other positions. And looking at Jake, he, he is growing into that big, tall frame now. And it's not too far of a stretch to suggest that he could perhaps fill in at lock forward. And I suppose the we, we saw the Eels experimenting a little bit with that small ball lock forward role last year, where we put uh, Will Smith into lock forward to be that extra playmaker through the middle. And we've seen other teams do this in the past. Obviously, Queensland and State of Origin had a long-running uh, fascination with this because it worked quite well. Uh, you know, Obviously, going back to when DCE did that position off the bench, uh, we've seen other teams do it to some success. The Roosters, uh, I think, have done it a little bit, although they've got a bit of a unique situation to look forward. Um, do we think that Jake Arthur can do that, or is he just on the bench purely to be an, a backup half? I think the jersey fits him. Just the, just the jersey size, maybe. <laughs> it, it's, it's no disrespect to Jake, but if you're going to have that bench utility, to me, it's got to be Bryce Cartwright. Mm, yeah, you talk, when you talk about that halves cover, mm-hmm. he's not he's not the best half, but you know he's got those ball playing skills, so he can chuck him in there. Um, we know he can play edge, and we can we know he can play in the middle. Um, I, I I I don't know why Brad has done this because it's only going to cause rumor and speculation. Maybe that's what he wants. I maybe, mean, to, to be fair, maybe this, he wants the this, the, this. the media to worry about that, so they're not worried about. Or fans to worry about that, so they're not worried about another aspect because they're going, "Oh, Jake's in the 17. Like that's all. That's all the. Talking I mean, who's who's talking about Sean Russell today, and who's talking about Jake Arthur, right? Um, that's exactly it. And 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 yeah, it's it's an old Wayne Bennett tactic. It is a bit of an old Wayne Bennett tactic. And further to that, I mean, maybe Jake is going to line up in round one on the bench. We don't know that yet. Obviously, that's two weeks plus away. But he knows what he has in Bryce Cart, right? which is a good thing, not a bad thing. I'm trying to spin it that way. Um, he knows what he has in someone like Kai Rodwell to some extent, I suppose, on the bench because they're, they're very binary as, as forwards in general, right? They come on, they can play back row, they can play middle in, in Kai's uh, uh, case, and they, they fill that gap. This is a bit of – maybe this is a bit of an experiment to see if Jake can handle the rigors of being the bench utility. Can he play lock forward or can he – spell someone on the edge, you know, uh, I, I sure hope that they're not going to cause some sort of crazy reshuffle. I mean, once it's in garbage time, I don't care what they do with the team, right? Jake can play halfback, but yeah. while while the team is 1-17, to 17, you know, he, hopefully he doesn't come to the game and, and start bumping halves around and causing weird reshuffles like that because I feel to, in order to do that to facilitate a player in a team, you've got to be, you know, absolute, we're talking, you know, uh, the former Eel who we don't really talk about anymore sort of caliber player. You know, you've got to be an absolute game changer. But if if they're going to experiment with him at, at lock forward or something like that, I don't mind doing that in a trial because that's literally what trials are for. Um, it is interesting you mentioned lock forward. And I've had this discussion with a few people and they've always brought up the fact that Parramatta doesn't have the modern-day lock, which is uh, your Isaiah Yo, your supposedly Victor Radley. Um, they talk about Cameron Murray. They talk about Jake Travojevic, who I, I don't agree with. Um, they're not the same lock forward from 10 years ago where they just pretty much were the third prop. It, it is and a, now, fa- it is a fascinating position. And middle half. Yeah. The, so I don't think any, the Connor Watsons of the world, essentially. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think any position has seen as much rapid transition and, and sort of the metagame of that position, the zeitgeist of that position being so overhauled as the lock forward role. It is, it is now. Well, it's going back, it's going back to the future. Yeah. Cause I remember when I was growing mm-hmm. up, your lock was an old five, was just a bigger five eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
you know, it was a five-eighth lock you, you look position. At, you look at, you know, one of Parramatta Eagles' all-time players, Brett Kenny. Like, obviously, a five-eighth is where he's ran before, but he was more than capable of playing lock forward too. Yep. So, you know, if you put – I think it's probably a bit too early in Jake's career to put him in this role, but I think with his height and if he gets – I don't know if his frame can carry 100 kilos, but that's what you try and push him to. Because if you want him playing this bench role of coming on and providing middle half, I'm going to call it, because that's the role shout that out, I'm going to shout define Shout out to as. an old, old mate from League Unlimited for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, TM. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it is a middle half role because you're getting them in there. You want him to play those short balls and you want him to have his runners open up you know, get one-on-one, and then they can get a quick play of the ball from there, and then it can go to your edge halves. It can go to your left or right. And it also sure? opens up the fact that, sorry, Bertie, if he yeah. gets in a first <laughs> receiver, you know, instead of um, relying on Junior Paulo all the time or relying on Nathan Brown, who would do, do it capably, if you put but him it, into that first, first receiver all 20 recipient. metres out, yeah. he's probably got a cleaner pass just because he is, has played halfback up until the age of 20. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's, I, I, I never thought of that because a lot of people were comparing him to John Sutton. And I was just, uh, I, I sort of got it, but Sutton still played half even to the end of his career. But now, you know, you, you, you experiment with that lock role and you do truly make Jake a, another half on the field. It, it, it opens up a lot of opportunities. And then, you know, do, do you go then with a bigger fullback because you don't necessarily need that ball play. You know, you still got a sweep play, but you can arrange, you can rearrange your attacking structure so that a half is the fullback on those sweeping plays. And also... Oh, I, I love what the Roosters do with Luke Carey a lot, where he sort of plays as a pseudo fullback at times. Yeah. You, you've, you've got me onto a tangent here, mate. you got me well, talking that, a lot. That, that, that's it also opens so up your field. If you're, if you take a, if you're, sorry, if you're 50-50, so if you're directly in line, like underneath the goalpost... Mm-hmm. You can stack two ball players on the left and two halves. Yeah, you know, you know, and you're, you're half, absolutely half and full back on the right. You're camouflaging you your half going. on the left. Yeah, it's interesting. Just, it is an interesting way to to look at it, and I think it it could work. It could I, backfire, Matt. I think at, at most it's a one game experiment in terms of the NRL. If he does do well on Saturday, he may turn up against the Gold Coast Titans in round one Sunday. But given that Murata near Corey is due back the week after. Um, I don't see how you can keep him out of it or him or the person he bumps back to the bench out of a team. So maybe maybe it is just a two-game experiment with uh, sort of plans towards the, the longer game in the NRL. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely probably one of the major storylines to watch out of so they're given that most of this team, their positions are solidified. I mean, we're, we're not really expecting anyone to be pushing into the top 13 given how well-oiled that machine is. And on the bench, I think that Makahesi Makatoa own that position last year. Oregon Kafusi, although he is departing, can be an impact forward for the Eels, and that's important given that you need to maximise your ability in minimal minutes behind Junior Polo and Reagan Campbell-Gillard. And then that last spot, or last two spots, well, Ray, Ray Stone gives you flexibility at dummy half and lock forward and edge two, to be fair, leaving you with, I suppose that there is almost an open spot on the bench because of how unique our props are. The fact they go for 50 or 60 minutes means that the rotation is leveraged less than most other packs, and it's a bit of a luxury spot. And we've seen in the past, in 2021 and 2020, guys getting ten, you know, sub ten minutes in that 17th jersey. You know, Will Smith didn't play, I think, a couple of games last year, despite being, you know, a very handy utility because the the team could absorb 
uh, that rotation anyway. So definitely something to watch out. Uh, but in the context of when there's the game opens up sort of post 50 or 60 minutes, who you're looking at to perhaps press their claims and move up the depth charts from those sort of 18 onwards players, probably disregarding Murata, given that he is a, a bona fide starter in the NRL. Uh, you'd think probably, look, I like the, I think it's Hayes or so, Hayes Perham and Solomon Naduke in terms of the next back to be caught up because, you know, we're talking about it in the Discord as soon as um, Hayes went down. Like, who's going to be the next to come up? And then, then we also talk about New South Wales Cup. Like, who's going to be uh, the next winger? Like, so I feel as though, like, you can go 50-50 between the two, between Perham and um, Naiduki. Perham can play fullback. But, like, I, I, like, I like the the battle of that, them two because, you know, we've, won, we've lost one winger now. We need the next back. So, essentially, yeah, I like that battle. And um, Luizu, you know, you guys have talked so much about him. You know, there's a lot of hype about him. And, yeah, I just... I don't know. What's his ceiling like? Is he like a rep player? Like, can he can he be a top you know five player in this team, or is he going to be like just a like a um a solid player? So, what's his uh, ceiling? It's hard to say just because he's had a few injuries so over the past couple of years. But when I've seen him play, I th- I don't think probably not rep level, but I think he could be a very good first grade player. And that's how you, you continue your success is obviously you need the rep level players, but if you're consistently unearthing plus first graders, that, that is how you stake a competitive force in the NRL. And the, literally the only knock we have on, on young Loizu is that he just needs to stay healthy. He's just been so nicked up across the last few years, um, even you know discounting the COVID impact. He just, he's had a lot of you know, bad luck of injuries, and if he can just stay healthy, he'll naturally progress to first grade, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think his problem is staying on the field at the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we know his trials always played at an incredibly high standard. Boys has become really one of the, the marquee events in the preseason. Uh, both teams, we talk about how trial form doesn't always translate to NRL form, but both teams have used this as a springboard uh, for hot starts in the NRL. Uh, Penrith obviously going on to the grand final in 2020 and ultimately winning it in 2021, where they were nearly railroaded by the Parramatta Reels in sudden death football. So we, we know that this you know carries a lot of weight for both teams. We know it's going to be played at a high standard. But again, the big goal, as we've mentioned multiple times in this podcast, is getting out unscathed. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, it's going to be a good one to catch, uh, whether it's in person or on broadcast. I dare say it's going to be more people catching on broadcast, given that this incremental weather seems to be sticking around until the weekend. Uh, but this one kicks off at 5 o'clock. It will be covered, I think, on... I want to say nine and Fox. No, but it's probably just Fox because it's a Saturday game. I'm telling you fibs. So Fox and KO, so you can catch it there. Um, if you get out there at four or three grades, it's always a fun trip, even though the uh, the locals can be a little bit on the uh, native side, I want to say, Ham. You get um, some uh, very warm receptions from the, the Penrith locals out there. Take um, some nose plugs, is what you <laughs> But yeah. And then burn your clothes when you get in the car because you, you don't want to carry whatever they've got, bring it back home. <laughs> But yeah, obviously you want to get the bickies morally here, but just getting out of injuries and playing some good football is the overarching goal. That's not the main event this week though, boys. Usually we cap off this uh, particular podcast hype for the trial and talking about all those storylines, but we've got real football being played on Sunday out at Newcastle at McDonald Jones Stadium. Parramatta Reels taking on the uh, Newcastle Knights, I believe. Yep, uh, a sister expansion team in the NRLW. And the Eels have named their team. They did a proper teamless Tuesday, which is always hype. So I got to enjoy that on TCT. Um, but yeah, they're, they're taking on the Knights at, uh, was it 3 o'clock? 3.40. 3.40 p.m. And I believe this one's going to be telecast on all major 
uh, channels across Nine and Fox and KO, but I could be mistaken about that. So uh, just check your TV guides, obviously. But for the Eels, uh, we got to see quite a few girls in action in the uh, NRL All-Star game for the Indigenous and Maori teams. But they line up like this. Uh, star fullback Botil Veti Welsh uh, running the team from the back. On the wings, they've got Tyna Navidi and Josefi, sorry, and Ricky Horn. Josefi Daniels moves into the centres where she partners Tiani Penatani. In the halves, you've got uh, Serena Naito Katoka, sorry, Serena, and Maddie Studden. Front row, uh, Kennedy Charrington, obviously one of our marquee pickups, with uh, rookie Tamaya Kelly Signs, who starred in that All Stars game, alongside Nita Maynard at dummy half. In the back row, Ellie Johnston, Jade Efferden, and Samima Taufer, who will captain the team. Uh, an incredible character, Samima, actually, and she's a huge pickup for the club. On the bench, you've got Shirley Malangi, uh, Philomena Hanisi, Therese Eiton. Uh, who I believe is a relation of Paul Eiton and Abby Church, extended bench or reserves, Christine Pauli, uh, Fatafehi Hanisi, Tess Staines, Emily Curtin, Mariva Swan, Jamie Ann Wright, Katrina Fippen. And amongst those uh, 24 players, I believe the club has indicated that they've named uh, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, six NRLW rookies, uh, including a pair of NRL All-Stars in Josefi Daniels and Tamaya Kelly Signs. Very exciting week, boys. Dean Witters is at the helm alongside uh, Samima Telfa as coach and captain, respectively. Uh, we've got a really strong team on lineup. The expectations obviously sky high. The media's been right into this, talking up how the Eels could be the team to dethrone the almighty Brisbane Broncos in NRLW. I, I mean, this is... Uh, I want to try and provide obviously some, you know, expert insight or, or even, you know, somewhat informed insight here, but this is very new territory for us as fans. Obviously we've watched the NRLW in its recent iterations where the Broncos have been three peak champions, but we're, we're somewhat familiar with some of these players. We know Batilvetti Welsh is a star at fullback. We know Matty Stutton's going to give us a lot of stability at halfback, but this is a learning experience for fans. I, I feel like we're going to be watching this team go on this incredible journey into uncharted territory in a, in a massively expanded competition where everything's up for grabs yes the broncos are the gold standard they're the ones at the mark on their back that everyone's chasing but the eels have a real chance to get off to a hot start assert their dominance and and take control of this competition in round one so well, got a team full of rep stars you know you rattled them off before um and going up you say get off to a, a quick start looking through that newcastle team now i am only I was only a casual viewer of the NRLW before this year, but those names, you know, I'm looking at uh, Caitlin, oh, sorry, I'm going to botch this last name, Vahakolo. Um, I know she played for the Indigenous team. I believe Bobby Law did as well. Um, and I know Georgia Page, a lot of people would remember her as the um, the rugby warrior princess, I believe she was dubbed. She was, uh, you know, early in her career, she was playing rugby sevens. Um, she got a nose plastered all over her face. And she just played on, so very tough. But outside of those players, I think, you know, getting off to a good start here, I, th- I think we could. And I think um, we've named a strong team. So I'm I'm just excited to see how they'll go. I, I'm just, And I'm really excited that um, there's now six teams in this competition, so that means there's an extra 40 women that can pursue rugby league mm-hmm. at this moment as a casual career. But hopefully these women will run. Oh, these women will walk. So that in five, ten years' time, hopefully it doesn't take that long. Hopefully it's less the, than that. The code can the, absolutely fly. Yeah, it can be a fully fledged competition where all the women can focus on playing rugby league like their male counterparts. And this is something that I've come back to on this podcast in that 
we're as fans, uh, you know, we're always highly critical of the NRL and how it mishandles a lot of things. But in regards to the female space with the Tasha Gale, the development programs and the NRLW, I feel like they've done quite a good job here. And like, like you said, these these women, these young girls too, because there is a lot of youth in this competition, they're walking, they're jogging and even running so that, you know, in years down this, you know, short years hopefully down this track, this competition takes off in source. And yeah, th- this is a chance for the Parramatta Eels to be a huge part of that legacy. You know, to dethrone the Brisbane Broncos or whoever ends up in this, you know, competition grand final. And and I know that, like I said, the media has really circled them because of the legacy of the Eels themselves and that drought when it comes to major titles. But why not our girls? Why can't it be them this year? That, that's the question they need to be asking. Why not them? And I think that the acquisition of Samima Taufa is going to be instrumental to this team taking that path towards the premiership. She is a, a toughest teak leader. Uh, a genuinely inspirational figure amongst that playing group. And I think you know, the other sort of energizing that group, Kennedy Charrington, I think that Tiana Penatonic could be very good out in the centers and obviously Batil Vetti Walsh. And that's not just a single them out. There could be plenty of other stars, but they've got that nucleus of, of talent to help elevate these other young girls and these other women to finding their own, uh, you know, sort of best, best plays they can be. So really looking forward to this one. Kickoff at 3.40 p.m. It should be covered across... Uh, major networks, but otherwise, um, definitely Fox or KO, I believe. Yeah, and, I believe and, it's on uh, both Channel Nine and Fox. There you go. So, so it's getting simulcast on the two major networks for the NRL, which is a, a big boost for the game. There, really cool to see that support. And yeah, hopefully our girls can uh, kickstart their campaign with a really solid win. Uh, I mean, this is the point where we usually do predictions for, I suppose, the trial and the NRLW boys. We don't know too much about the NRLW team, so it's going to be fun doing that. But uh, in the context of the major portion of that NRL trial, the first 60 minutes where sort of, you know, the result is the one that, that matters whether the teams run away with it in the uh, garbage minutes or not. Uh, who we got for first try scorer? Are the Eels going to prevail? And I suppose uh, who's your play to watch for that one? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I hope, you know, I hope we actually score more than two tries. You know, we, in the past, we've struggled against them in the trial, you know. I mean, that's been the Penrith Parramatta matchup, but it, it's been... Mm. Absolutely insane defense, coupled with uh, sparkling but limited offense. So yeah, but like even like um, I don't know. Just every time we played them, especially at Penrith, like we just get pinned in our in our twenty and we struggle. So we're not we're hardly attacking. So I'd like to see more attacking sets or more attacking football. And I understand, you know, like I've been I was thinking about this during the week. Like we might not be you know a forty point plus team each week. We might have to defend to win games. You know. We're not built to be like Penrith, but I just don't want to be a boring game where we're just kicking from our 40 or 30 and then it's just rinse and repeat. So, like, if they can just, you know, mix it up a bit, um, you know, play a couple of short balls, you know, like, as you said, uh, Sean Lane looked like Fafita out there last week. You know, he was tearing up the Dragons, you know, um, uh, right side edge, you know. So just make it interesting. And um, I, I think, look, I think we'll win. It'll be a close game, but I'm being biased Parramatta fan. And I think the first <laughs> try score will be... Um, my boy, young Will, Finicini. So, yeah. I like it. Will to get a bit more of a spotlight put on this week after almost deliberately it felt like the club was focusing on playing down the left against the Dragons. Ham, how do you see this one playing out? Who's your first try scorer? Who's your player to watch? And uh, you don't have to give a margin to me, honestly, to try. But if you want to, you're welcome. Um, player to watch. Ryan Madison. I think I moved to the middle. I called for it last year. I think it suits his game. We talk about uh, ball playing... Locks had a big showing against the Panthers in sudden death football at that position. Yep. 
Um, I, I thought he was had an average game against the Dragons. I think he'll try and step it up this one mm-hmm. against his uh, senior players. That's first not- try scorer. I don't think we'll win, if I'm honest. Usually in these games, um, Penrith tend to leave their first graders on for an extra five, ten minutes to squeeze out an advantage. To wait to, to just to get that win. That's usually what happens. It might not happen again. That's usually what happens. Um, I think Penrith will likely win. Uh, first try scorer. It's a hard one. I'm going in the middle. I'm going Reg. Reg. That, that's a sweet Reg, one, eh? yeah. Up against. I, his, I'll tell you uh, what. It's going to be the same play that Oregon scored on. Which is a really nice – that that is a great little set play as well to have in the pocket. And obviously teams are going to put that on video for the season and, and they'll try and key into it at least in the early exchanges. But and it's good because if you're – it's one of those plays. You've got options. Because you're, you're, they overread going, oh, they're going to hit because they've got the same setup and then you go out the back and then they've got to push back yeah. out to go back out. Yeah. So yeah, that, it's a nice little play. That tr- – that, that, Almost revealing of that play against the Dragons is almost a deliberate tactic, it feels like, in order to get teams to overanalyze it. So and I think that's why we'll do it again. I like it. I think that's why we'll do it again because you know you don't, you don't want to show you don't want to show your hand too much, but I think you want to show your hand just enough just to go, hey, look look what we've been doing over off season. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to see if you can try and work it out. I like it uh, for myself for moi. Um, I'm going the opposite of Birdie Wanga Blake, another former Panther. Uh, is going to be the one to cross the white stripe first. I think Wanga Blake found an unprecedented level of consistency for almost two months to finish off season 2021. And he's never really had a full preseason for the club, if I'm not mistaken. He's always been severely injured one way or another coming into the preseason. So this is almost uncharted territory for him, being able to get into peak fitness ahead of round one and, and sort of be you know right in motion to where he needs to be. And I'm looking for him to build off that 2021 campaign. Uh, in terms of the score, I'm kind of with Ham here. I feel like the Panthers is going to just eke ahead of us, um, even though it is academic, as long as you don't have the injuries and you're not getting you know, absolutely pantsed. Um, they're, they're the two things you're sort of looking to avoid. Um, and for players that I think have a lot in the line, I think Jake Arthur obviously has a fair bit to play for here, whether he can show um, he's got something in the back row if he's used that way, or even just if he gets a chance to play frontline football against the formidable Penrith outfit in the halves. Um, if he can make an impression there, bodes well for the young man, obviously. But yeah, just down that extended bench, I think there's a big opportunities for guys like Ogden, guys like Rodwell, um, and even Naiduki, who we saw the best and worst of against the Dragons, some comical errors, uh, some you know good finishing and some powerful carries. Uh, a big showing here for him can really put him into the frame for not the uh, starting gig on that wing, but be the next cab up, given the Eels are uh, being linked to... Uh, the uh, Broncos player, goodness. Sarko. Yeah, Jermaine Asako. So that, that wouldn't prevent them from recruiting Asako, but it could help him leapfrog himself over Asako even so. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the Penrith predictions. Let's move on to the actual uh, playing for the, the real marbles here in the NRLW round one. Boys, first try scorer and the margin. What do you got, Bertie? Just yeah, it's almost like uh, I mate, I'm, I've watched zero. I know, but that, that's uh, that, this is a learning journey pick for a name, us, mate. Pick a name and a number. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go pick uh, number nine. Who's He's number nine? Going for dummy half, need a Maynard, the crafty dummy half. Yep, that's that's actually not a bad shout. Um, we know that you know dummy halves have a habit of being able to get a crack over line if uh, the defense is a little bit sloppy, and I wouldn't be surprised if round one um, there's some opportunities there for Maynard. So I've got, got to score the first try. First I know one try. chick, but that's only because um, I follow on Instagram. I think the winger, Raikia Horn, is her name? Uh, I think she'll score a hat-trick. 
Oh, all I'm saying is, I've seen those training videos lately, and man, she's gonna run over some people. She's, she's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, she could be the Sivo in the team. She's just gonna Teddy Tedesco, whoever the fullback for the Pan- uh, for the Knights are. R- so Romy she- Tetzel, yeah. Um, and the uh, given that we've got f- at least four tries being scored for the Eels via the Maynard FTS and the uh, Horn hat trick. How do you see this one playing out in terms of margin, Betty? Oh, we have to win if we, if we get beat. Scoring for- <laughs> Oh, uh, listen, I don't have expectation for them, but surely, you know, Dub and the way you guys are met, talking about the uh, NRLW, everyone's excited. Like, this is a team that, that the expectation's high in terms of they yes, can't sir. be, they're going to be top four or not. What was it? Six, is it a six-team competition? Yeah, and I, yeah. Think it, I think it's a top four format for the finals. Yeah, it's a top, top three, top two maybe. So, yeah, I feel as though um, we have to win. <laughs> if not... Uh, I don't know who can you bring in. Like you know, it's just the first. I don't. I literally don't know when I'm watching well, that, that, the Sunday. I don't a, know. This is a learning experience for all fans of the Blue and Gold, and that's why it's so exciting. Is that yeah. this is a team that's discovering itself as fans are discovering the team itself. So mm. there's going to be some warts. There always is with you know expansion, but this, like I said, the, the team that the Eels have assembled, they've recruited very well, and it, it bodes well for being able to perhaps get a, a fast march on the rest of the competition. Ham Birdie set the bar pretty high here, at least four tries, including a hat trick for on, on a club high. debut. Uh, who have you got crossing the white stripe first? How do you see this game playing out in terms of the margin? Well, we've got some classy players in the back line. Uh, Batil, Veti Welsh, mm-hmm. Downer Penetani, Birdie mentioned Ricky Ahorn. But I'm going to go the skip, so I'm a Taufa. Nice. She's putting the hard yards. She's nice and stocky, nice and power built, low to the ground. I think she'll get the first try to be a barge over. With with thanks to crafty work from Nita Maynard, but she'll get the TA, not the T. Um, from there, I could see a blowout, but I'm going to go close. I think I think it's better to pick I'm the closer one. <laughs> Parramatta sixteen, Newcastle six. Okay, sixteen six. So still a double digit margin of victory there. Um, I I like both the front rowers, Kennedy Charrington and Tamaya Kelly signs. I think the points are coming from one of the bookends there. Oh, it's hard to pick. Uh, I almost am obliged to go to Kennedy because she was such an incredible <laughs> interview for TCT on the tip sheet. But I'll tell you what, what Tamaya Kelly signs showed some real power aggression. Yeah, and aggression yeah. in that All-Stars game. I'm going to give her the nod for round one. She's going to get the first try, which means I think Nita Maynard's going to be involved too. So she's getting a try assist either or way. Yeah, or a try as <laughs> per the, the legendary, the vaunted t- the uh, parapodcast predictions there. And if she doesn't? Sacked. <laughs> get, get her out. But in terms of the margin, yeah, it's one of those ones, Ham, because we, like you said, could very well be a blowout here, um, but it's so hard to tell. But I'm going to give the Eels the nod. Tw- and I feel like there's a margin I've tipped a few times in the NRL, but 24 to 10. So they'll, they'll have a couple of tries put on them, but they'll have a, a comfortable win in round one with a, a lot to build on from there. So really looking forward to this one. Like I said, coverage kick or well, coverage starts before 3.40 p.m., but it kicks off at 3.40 p.m. on both major bro- uh, broadcasts there, Channel 9 and Fox, as well as KO, given that that is a, a Fox affiliate. So plenty of ways to watch it. Um, obviously, you can also get out to McDonald Jones if you live in the area or want to make the trip. And, boys, that wraps us up. That was a big episode. There was a lot of footy to talk about. Yeah. Um, and that was without Ham, uh, without Hamish here as well, who is absolutely flat chat at work. So we do send our regards to our glorious leader. He is... Um, getting worked off his feet, doing some pretty important stuff. So uh, we've got to keep holding the fort down in his absence. Always a pleasure to do it with you boys, though. Ham Jong-un. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was trying to make trying to get it to work. As as I was going to say, hence, Kim Jong Ham, but ha, ha, henceforth known as Ham Jong, our glorious leader. I don't know if you'll like that. Uh, he might want to beep that one out. Uh, the yeah. the parent podcast must go on, even his absence, uh, because that is what he wishes, and his oh, wishes are absolute. Um, but yeah, it I'm is sorry, always Hamish. it is always a better show when Hamish is here. Um, brings plenty of insight and, and keeps us lunatics on a on a healthy leash. I feel like so, doesn't let me say ham jong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you boys have got any shout outs this week. It's been a quiet week in terms of world sports, NBA All Stars, blah blah blah. Um, bit of NFL sort of pre pre free agency birdie, but nothing too crazy. Ham, I, I got I got I got a shout out. I got a shout out. Yeah, uh, two Tyrell Fumiano. Go screw yourself, mate. You're a dog. So, so Birdie not letting sleeping dogs. Live. I don't know That's what it is, man. I, I was That's okay, and then I get to the podcast and bring it up, and I just my heart breaks. Like I'm, I'm not the biggest Hayes Dunster fan. Like he's not, he's not my favorite eel at the moment, but I just feel so bad for him, and I just feel as though I don't know. He worked so hard to get it, and this dog. No, no I want to tell know. Birdie that the West Tigers appointed five captains again. Oh, mate, more, don't, more don't captains. Start him, don't start him. Don't we start don't have all night. We've we got to as we close in on an hour and a half on this Mammoth Edition of podcast, Ham, any shout-outs, any music suggestions on this particular week of this particular year? No. <laughs> Perfect. So Sorry. on that note, we're going to wrap it all up. Thanks for listening to us three crazy boys ramble about Parramatta at length. It is always a blast to talk for you for you boys. We yep. will get Hamish back at some point. He will give us the direction we need, much like Guffo and Junior does for the NRL team. But until then, we're going to hold it down and, and just run wild, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, just talk footy freely. But, yes, uh, thanks for stopping by. Catch us next week because there's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, no junior reps, but plenty of NRL and NRLW action. Plus, maybe there could be an NRL acquisition if that psycho stuff gets a kick on. So watch this space, ladies and gents. Para podcast number one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to the Para podcast. Glory to Ham Jungle. Let me on the way to win. And when they both have run.